As I think about these past six weeks or more, my heart has rejoiced at times and it has been broken at times. I have laughed and I have wept. I've enjoyed having dinner with my wife and my three children who are residing at my home and doing the daily devotions that we have published through the church. We've even turned our church devotions into a game called Guess the Author. Frequently, they are stumped. Yet one of the things I greatly miss in this season has been the hugs from our grandkids. We've even tried to cut our own hair in the house. I don't know if you can tell by live stream this morning, but my hair's a little bit shorter than normal because of my own attempt to cut my hair. As I sat down from, for dinner last Saturday, I declared to my family that I needed some help with my hair. And thankfully, my son Bobby cleaned it up, but at a much shorter level than I anticipated. At the end of February, we made the commitment before all of this happened to redo our entire first floor, including the kitchen, new cabinets and all. We never told Elizabeth that it meant that she might not have a kitchen sink for three weeks. Being the gracious and thoughtful husband that I I am, I happened to have set out a hose and a little washing station for her outside in the backyard. To my surprise, she didn't go for that. Instead, she preferred the bathroom sink. I'm glad to report that... Today, she's had a sink and um, dishwasher now for two days. You know, for years I have said that I would never want a bigger house. Six weeks of stay-at-home orders with five adults and a German shepherd, and now I know why people build 4,000 and 5,000 square foot homes. We all have stories to tell. Let me pause for a moment and thank you once again for all of your thoughts and prayers for Courtney and David and their family. We rejoice that they are home safely in South Carolina. Of course, we long to see them and we really haven't had much contact with them yet. And I know that they long to be with us and also with you. I do have to tell you this one brief story this week that blessed my heart so much. I've been in regular contact throughout the week with the Smith family, Ted, Nancy, and Dan, because Floyd Smith, their mom, tested positive for COVID-19, and she is at O'Neill's in North Ridgeville, which is a hotspot for the virus. Floyd called me on Friday morning because she was concerned about Courtney and David and wanted to make sure that they made it home. Here I am worried about her, and she's worried about them. I thank God, for as far as I know, this morning, Floyd has just displayed only minimal symptoms. Who would have imagined two months ago we would be at this place today? Schooling, work, recreation, buying, communication, schedules have all changed We have lived in a time of great disruption. 
teachers and parents are having to do things they never imagined. And it's not always easy. The first weekend in March, I was in Alabama playing golf with Gary Reitler and my two sons. Two weeks later, we're live streaming worship, Zooming meetings, because our building is closed. In the words of David, who wrote the 23rd Psalm, we are living in the days and in the land or the valley of the even though. It's a place that is inevitable. It is a part of life. It cannot be avoided. You know, so often when we look at the 23rd Psalm, we begin at the very beginning with the words, the Lord is my shepherd. This morning, I want to take us to a different place, to the middle of the Psalm, to the valley of even though. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. David describes this valley of even though as as the shadow of death. The phrase literally means the veil or place of deep darkness. Now sometimes we end up in that valley of deep darkness because of our own choices that we make. Other times we are thrust into the deep darkness without any choice or control of our situation at all. Sometimes we are there alone in the valley of deep darkness. Or, like now, we're all in it together. Whether it be as a family, a church, a community, a culture, a nation. There are several realities that my heart has awakened to over the past few weeks. As the pastor of care at Friends Here, I've been keenly aware of the loneliness that many must be feeling, especially in the hospitals and skilled nursing facilities and assisted living places. The separation from family and for families is very real. My heart breaks for those who have had to face surgeries or hospitalizations, those who are dying without the opportunity to be surrounded by loved ones. Since yesterday, over 52,000 people have died in the United States, over 200,000 throughout the world. And I'm sobered by the thought of their eternal destination. Many are rejoicing with the Lord. Many probably not. No matter how deep, how dark, how shadowy, how intolerable death, like the valley of even though may be, no matter how contagious or deadly the virus, no matter how slavish any addiction we might be experiencing, how no matter how obsessive and compulsive our disorder might be, how terminal a cancer might be, how grievous a divorce, how painful a betrayal, how devastating a death, even if it's your own child. We can declare, as David declared, I will fear no evil. It doesn't say I will not feel sadness or grieve horrifically or suffer depression or be angry with God or struggle to believe 
or even fear the worst possible outcome. It doesn't say I won't get the virus. And it, do, it, won't, it doesn't mean that my marriage will always survive or that my kids won't have significant problems or the cancer will be cured or I'll fail the test again. This psalm teaches us that in the midst of uncertainty and difficulties of these days, there's an important and powerful truth. You know, when we go to the Hebrew of Psalm 23, we discover that there are exactly 26 words before and 26 words after the phrase, for you are with me. The pinnacle or the depth of this powerful psalm is in the midst of the valley of the deepest, darkest moments in our lives, where we can know in the depths of our experience, in the depths of our hearts, Sovereign God, you are with me. God who created heaven and earth, you are with me. God who created me in his image, you are with me. God who redeemed me through the precious blood of Jesus, you are with me. God who has the authority over all creation, you are with me. Walter Brueggemann, in his book, The Message of the Psalms, categorizes all 150 psalms into three movements. Orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. Each of these movements exemplify a fragment of human experience. Orientation is when everything feels right and is content in our lives. Disorientation is those times when life is difficult, dark, and broken, and it is filled with lament and despair. Reorientation is when God pulls us out of that brokenness and life, and we're brought to a deeper sense of his awareness and grace. We find all three of these movements within Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. That's orientation. Even though I walk through the valley, disorientation. You are with me. Reorientation. I believe that God is using this time of personal and community disorientation due to the virus to reorient our lives for the days ahead. So let's take the centerpiece of this psalm. You are with me. And unpack it for our lives. Because as God said through the prophet Isaiah in the 45th chapter, verse 3, I will give you treasures of darkness and hidden wealth of secret places so that you may know that it is I, the Lord God of Israel, who calls you by your name. So let's start in the beginning. The Lord is my shepherd. As you and I, as we together get through the valley of the even though, who or what is and will be shepherding your life? 
I can guarantee you this. Someone or something will. Before this virus, who or what was the primary shepherd, the primary guiding principle of your life? Was it Jesus? Will it be Jesus as we move forward? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Literally, it should be translated, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. Which leads us to our first lesson. Lesson number one, Jesus provides so that you and I lack nothing. Do you realize that Psalm 23 is not as much a prayer to cry out to God, help me, Lord? Rather, it's a declaration of what God has done, of what God is doing and what God will do. How would your attitude and your perspective on life change daily? If you declared every morning when you rose up from your bed, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing for this day. If Jesus is your Savior and Lord this morning, regardless of what your circumstances are, regardless of how dark the valley seems to be, the truth is, in Christ... We lack nothing. We live in a a culture where many people, including most of us, don't like being told what to do. We don't like being made to do anything. Guess what? I'm willing to give the God who made me in his image and who gave me his breath I'm willing to the God who sent his son into this world to die on a cross for my sin. The God who sent his Holy Spirit, his presence to dwell in my life. That God has earned every right to make me do anything he wants. How about you? Jesus, I thank you this morning for making me lie down in green pastures when you think it's the best thing for me. I thank you for leading me beside quiet waters. I thank you for restoring my soul. I thank you for guiding me down the right paths. Can you thank him this morning? Every day, our shepherd Jesus carries a rod with him that is used to spiritually protect us. Do you know there's only one way sheep get into trouble? It's when they wander away from the flock and move away from the protecting rod of the shepherd. You know, sheep are meant to be together. They have to be together under the guidance of a shepherd. Because they have no God-given ability to save themselves. 
No wonder God uses the image of sheep over 500 times in Scripture to talk about his children. The shepherd uses the staff to guide and to help rescue the sheep. Why does a sheep need to be rescued? Because it's wandered away from the flock. Do you realize that the only time you go through the valley of the shadow of darkness alone is when you wander away from the shepherd and the flock? All the other times we go through the valley of the even though together with others as a flock. Lesson number two for us. Jesus prepares a table or a feast for us. You know, our enemy comes in many forms. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6 that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people, but against principalities and powers, spiritual realities. So the enemies of our lives can be things like anxiety and worry and shame, worthlessness, just to name a few. David declares in the midst of my enemies that the shepherd prepares a table or literally a feast, a place of plenty for me, for us, for the flock. I don't know about you, but it's hard not to love a good feast. It's hard not to overindulge in a good feast. It's hard not to want to get your money's worth when you're presented with a feast. Yet a good feast is most enjoyable in the presence and in the company of others. And I believe with all my heart that God is preparing a spiritual feast, a table for his children on the other side of this virus. I believe God is getting ready for Jesus to serve us the food of a great revival throughout our community our nation, and maybe even in the the entire world. God is preparing a table of plenty filled with refreshment and nourishment and life for his children. In the midst of the table, it says that Jesus anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. Here is a beautiful picture of healing that takes place in our lives as we go through the valley of even though. Anointing was also used for consecration, a setting aside. Combining this picture with the picture of a cup that overflows, the healing that takes place, the lessons or treasures we learn in these darkest places, Jesus is consecrating for the sake of others and for his name's sake, for his glory, for his kingdom. But this I know in Luke 14, Jesus tells us that the parable of the tells us the parable of the great banquet. Those who were initially invited became too busy. 
Please don't be one of those. So the master told the servant to bring the blind, the crippled, the poor, the lame. And there was still room. So the master sent the servant to go out to the countryside and compel people to come to the banquet so it would be full. Will you be ready for Christ's table? Will you live your life in such a way that others will be drawn to the table of revival? Will you go out and bring others to share in the feast of revival that Christ our Savior and our Lord our Good Shepherd is preparing? Jesus provides. Jesus prepares. Lesson number three. Jesus is always pursuing you and I. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, there's an old story about a group in the Holy Land who... After hearing a teaching on the 23rd Psalm and how the shepherd goes ahead of the sheep to lead, guide, and protect them, the group went out to the countryside in search of such a demonstration. The guide sent them to this familiar pasture where, in fact, they noticed actually the flock of sheep seemed to be quite frazzled as they were coming over the hillside. and There was no shepherd in front of them. Instead, the shepherd came behind the flock, or so they thought. A bit bewildered, one of the women approached the shepherd and asked him about the apparently suspect teaching that they had just received. This shepherd said, oh no, I'm not the shepherd, I'm the butcher. You know, it's quite the opposite when we read the phrase, surely goodness And mercy shall follow me. Literally, follow me can be translated chasing me. David reveals one aspect of Christ's love. His goodness and his mercy, his love is always chasing after us. It's a pursuing love that never stops. You know, as a grandfather, one of my favorite activities with my younger grandkids is to play chase. And as parents or grandparents, I'm sure many of you have played that game. Chase is always best when you have some sort of circle you can run around in your house. Now, when I'm playing that game with my grandkids, or probably even goes back to my children, I can often hear the words, careful, grandpa. Now, I'm not sure what they were afraid was going to happen or who was going to get hurt. Well, yes, I do. Have you ever tried to take a corner too fast on a wood floor in socks? I have. It's not pretty. You know, what's so great about the game of chase is eventually the child stops. Not because they're tired, but because... They want to turn around and be caught. They want that hug. They want that embrace. And of course, once they get it, 
the game only begins again. The goodness and the mercy of God is always chasing us. Rather than trying to constantly run away from it in our lives, let's stop and embrace it. The good shepherd invites us to stop and turn around and to be caught up in his embrace and his love. And when we do, we find ourselves dwelling in his presence. Some of us, before this virus, shut almost everything down that we know in our lives. Spent a good deal of time running away from the Savior and our Lord because of the pace and the activities and the priorities that we kept. Certainly, that's an easy way that could describe our own culture. These days have forced us to stop. And many of us have embraced and cherished these moments with our Savior and our Lord. Jesus provides. Jesus prepares. Jesus pursues. Do you know the shepherd this morning? If not, would you like to invite the shepherd into your life? While all the sheep went astray, the Bible says, this shepherd died on the cross for all of our sin so that we can return to the fold of his love and enjoy God's presence forever. If you don't know the shepherd, will you pause this morning to ask Jesus to come into your life as Savior and Lord and shepherd? I promise you, if you do, you will dwell in his presence forever. And in him, you will lack nothing. Let us pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for these precious words. Father, we thank you that even as we walk through this valley of the even though, you are with us. You provide for us. In Christ, we lack nothing. And we declare that truth this morning. Father, we thank you for the table that you are preparing for us. A table of revival. May we be ready to enjoy the feast of your love and your presence with those who need you. And Father, we thank you that the goodness and mercy of your love chases us every day. Help us, Father, just to turn around and embrace that goodness and mercy 
all the days of our lives. And Father, I pray for those right now that might be asking the shepherd to come into their lives today. May you fill them with your presence and your love like they've never experienced it before. May they rejoice in being, while being lost, they are now found. Father, may these words not just simply bless us today, but bless us all the days of our lives through Christ, the Good Shepherd, our Savior, our Lord, we pray. Amen.